Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Chris Russell and Pete Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Final hour of the big show, Burgundy and Gold today at 12. Keep it locked in right here on the Team 980. Owners meetings this afternoon. And of course, should hear from Ron Rivera sometime today about practice and the fact that they're going to have to play a different quarterback coming up this week. And of course, nothing galvanizes your city more than the backup quarterback, unless his name is Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph. Blake Bortles. So, Hodges. God. What's wrong with my man, Duck? Quack, quack. <laughs> Tomlin said um, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, we are, he made a, uh, a he was talking during press conference, he goes, yeah, you know, it's not like we're as limited as we were with the playbook when, you know, we were playing Duck Hodges and Duck tweeted back, good to see Coach still loves me. Love you, Coach. <laughs> so well, he handled I, I mean, it. Listen, he handled it very, very well. So here's what people don't understand about starting a rookie quarterback, right? Just because Bailey Zappi is doing a great job so far through two and a half games doesn't mean everybody's going to be like that. Also doesn't mean every coaching staff teaches it the same way, right? Like some coaching staff Which we might, know they don't. Right. Some coaching staffs might oversimplify things. Some coaching staffs may say, you know what, we're gonna we teach it one way and we only teach it one way, and if you can't get it, that's on you, not me. Um, I have no idea what they're doing in New England. No idea. Okay. But it's unusual, unusual to see Bailey Zappi do what he is doing. Okay. My my thing about whatever happens from here, you you asked earlier in the show, would you go to uh, Sam Howell this Sunday if 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 um, if Taylor Heineke stinks if he's really struggling what have you I said absolutely not and under you know pretty much under no circumstances I mean maybe five interceptions four interceptions whatever we can talk I wonder I wonder Pete if they sent Sam Howell out to play I wonder if they're the type of staff. That would say, okay, like we have to have this disaster scenario in the back of our mind. What if, what if Taylor Heineke gets injured? We have to have a backup game plan, a backup way of communication to make it easier for Sam Howell in case he has to play this Sunday. You know what I mean? Like you, like Taylor Heineke, you could go 32 jet sweep, three, you know, 15 different words and whatever. And you could operate like that because Taylor Heineke has been here for a couple of years. He's been in the system for five years, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have to have that 
same and only style of thinking and that way of calling plays for Sam Howell? Or do you have to not dummy it down, but do you have to simplify it so that he has less to think about if he has to play on Sunday? Because he's one snap away. Not by decision. He's one snap away from playing. Here's the – again, this is when I was tweeting with Boston DG here over the weekend. The question ultimately remains is, how does your staff think? Does your staff feel it's a rookie, we have to dumb it down? Or or are they a staff that might be a little more progressive and say, we saw some of these traits in the preseason, let's play to them and let's, let's let them do some things. Because as you know, there's going to be a coaching staff that'll say, look, we've got to put the ball in Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson's belly 35 times. We've got to protect that rookie quarterback. We can't mm-hmm. let him make 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 mistakes. And then there's going to be some groups that are going to be a little more progressive that are going to say, you know what? Sam showed us he can handle some things in the preseason. Well, let's cut him loose on some of this stuff. Let's let him throw the ball deep and let, let's take some shots uh, with him. Question ultimately becomes is is where do Ron and Scott Turner fall on on that line of thinking? Because that's the two schools of thought. That's the two schools of thought. I tend to think you're in the give the ball to Robinson and Gibson 35 times mentality because we've got to be safe. We've got to be safe. We need to protect the, the rookie quarterback because as you will then flip and say, if, it, if you give him more, it could go horribly wrong. It could be one interception and six or one touchdown and six interceptions. And then everybody's killing Ron and Scott for allowing him to try and do too much as a rookie quarterback, and have we ruined his confidence by allowing him to play two or three games and he had one touchdown and six interceptions? You know so what? do you coach in fear, safe mode, or do you coach to win games? You know what always goes through my mind when, when I think of a quarterback that hasn't played much or at all or whatever that it's always going to be like and I can't get it out of my mind? Remember when Nathan Peterman started for the Bills, I think, think that was during McDermott's first year. Maybe it was the year before McDermott got there, and he threw like five interceptions in the first half. Yeah. And it was his first start, and the Bills were on like quarterback number three or whatever it was. I forget all the details. Like that always goes through my mind of if you let a quarterback who hasn't played much, who doesn't have a lot of experience, who, you know, may be of a – not conservative philosophy and a not conservative offensive style or uh, an aggressive mentality, which a lot of people like, right? A lot of people like what Brandon Staley does. You know, a lot of people like... Would you rather the mistakes... It's, what, it's, it's, this real simple as a consumer of football. Would you rather the mistakes come as a, as a result of the team trying to be aggressive and win or pro- playing... A boring level of football, losing sixteen to ten, because you just felt like you had to protect your your rookie quarterback. I mean, me, I'm always, I, I, you know, I like maybe it's because I'm forty nine and old and 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 got one foot in the grave. I'm always going to lean towards being more conservative, fundamentally, ph- philosophically. Like I'm. All right, let me give you a for instance. Right, people. You might get, uh, say you get, uh, I don't know, $50,000 from an inheritance, right? 
some people are going to invest that in high volatile stocks, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 uh, and I don't even know all the financial things, but but the stock market basically so that they can get a higher return, a higher yield, right? I'm a invested in bonds type of guy. I'd rather take I'd rather take way less in terms of the return but have no risk or very little risk to losing money than the high return, high loss or wild variance. What mm. do I talk about all the time with Carson Wentz? It's one of the things that drove me crazy about Carson Wentz over the last couple of years. There's a high ceiling. I get it. I understand that. I get why it's intoxicating. There's also a low floor. And 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 somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle is most quarterbacks, right? Most quarterbacks. To have a high ceiling is great. To have a really low floor, that's something that kind of irks me. Kind of drives me crazy. 401k right now. Kind of irks me to check my 401k. Hurts me. I mean, I understand. Sorry. I, I, I mean, you see what I'm, but, but you see what I'm getting at? Like, I want a, and it's the same thing for Taylor this Sunday. It's going to drive me crazy, insane. If I'm at that game on Sunday, which I will be, and I see Taylor Heineke seven-step dropping. Are you going to get out of the coach's booth and say, Scott, (laughs) what are you doing? Now, some people are trying to say, oh, well, Scott Turner uh, has called plenty of short short passes. They, They, look, they run a bunch of out routes. I mean, out routes can be... You know, five yards north of the line of scrimmage, they can be 10 yards, 20 mm-hmm. yards, 15 yards. Like, just because you've called a bunch of out routes doesn't mean... Now, listen, I don't per- particularly think that's Taylor Heineke's strength. Um, it, I, I'd be surprised if they call more of a, like, outside-the-hashes offense as opposed to an inside-the-hashes offense. And I understand there's more bodies inside the hashes and therefore more ability to get it knocked down or whatever, but you have to develop a game plan, a philosophy that matches the strength of your quarterback. Okay? But, Hard to do, which by he the tried way. to do with Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. but you also have to be realistic and realize, okay, just because my quarterback does this thing really well, I can't focus and be hell-bent on that, I have to do what works. And I would be willing to take the exchange this Sunday, even if there's more bodies in between the hashes and more traffic and balls knocked down or tipped up or whatever, I'd be willing to take the exchange if I know that I'm putting Taylor Heineke in the best possible position for Taylor Heineke to succeed if Taylor Heineke doesn't make the mistakes that every quarterback has to avoid. Does that make sense? Yeah, and not only that, keep in mind, too, you know, here in Washington, as Ben Conti tweeted to you a little while ago, how strange is it? Alex Smith, year one, hurt. Ryan Fitzpatrick, year one, hurt. Carson Wentz, year one with the organization, hurt. It just never ends. That carousel, you can never really, you know, 
we 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 constantly ask like this week what's what will the philosophy be because it's a a different quarterback they finally went out and got the big armed guy they were looking for mm-hmm. and he's hurt now you got to go back to things that are more appropriate for a lesser armed guy so to speak uh, i mean that that's just the reality of it we'll see i mean if terry mclaurin's behind the d just throw it as far as you can taylor let him run under it and get something done. The notion that Taylor Heineke can't throw one up there and have somebody run under it is a little bit misleading. I He can. What you don't want to do is major in the right. vertical passing game, right? Well, I, I, you can, but he's got to – you got to get it to him. You got to hope that McLaurin, Brown, those guys win at 35 to 40 yards as opposed to Carson who can win when they win at 60 yards in the air. Down the field. Yeah. I mean, like, let's put it this way. Uh, And we'll get back to the calls in a sec. 301-230-0980. I don't feel like we should see seven-step drop from under center play action. Carson Wentz to De'Ami Brown, like you said, 60, well, maybe not 65 yards in the air. Was it 60? I don't even remember what the air target, what the air distance was. 55, 60, whatever it was. I don't expect to see that. But can we, from... You know, like outside the red zone, if they are at the 35-yard line, for argument's sake, can you run like post a deep corner. post or or I was thinking more a corner, mm-hmm. but a deep post might actually a deep post might actually work better because I think Heineke, when you ask him to throw deep and to the to the sideline, meaning outside the numbers, I think that's where he struggles more than if you ask him to just throw kind of over the middle of the field and and deeper. D- does that make sense or no? Yeah. Me- meaning when you have to throw laterally and vertically, that's more the problem for Heineke. Now, he has improved his arm strength. That is one thing that we haven't talked about yet, right? That was noticeable somewhat in training camp when I was there. Uh, not as much in the preseason games, but I know in talking to some people, they were aware and they were impressed by what he did to increase a little bit of his arm strength and velocity. Let's go to line two, our man Jeff's in Vienna. What's up, Jeff? What's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, Jeff. How are you? I was traveling yesterday, Pete. Did we get a clip of you calling the SMU pony running across the field by chance? <laughs> oh, gosh. How did we forget about that? Well, I didn't necessarily describe the pony while it was running. It was describing the aftermath of what the pony did after it was running. So how, so, did, you, how did you do that? Yeah, Matt, you got on. Yeah. How did you do that? How did you handle that duty. We're, <laughs> we were trying to figure it <laughs> out. The best part was no, Keith. No pun intended. Yeah, the best exactly. part was our sideline reporter, Keith Mills, asking the kids about scooping up said duty as they walked off the field. He said the one girl was kind of chuckling. He said this one dude looked like he was ready to kill people because he had to go out on the field in front of a, you know 20,000 people and scoop poop up. Now, is that, that's field turf, right? Yes. Right. So, Thankfully. So that, comes up a little easier. I was going to say it comes up a little bit easier to scoop that up. But think about that, man. If you're a player, you got to go back out and play on a field that just had pony poop on it. Because sometimes, like, 
when, when you take your dog for a walk or whatever, right, if it's in the taller grass, the poop, especially if it's of a certain uh, texture, gets a little stuck in the grass, right? And imagine <laughs> if you got tackled, right, Jeff? Imagine if you got tackled and, you know, like your face mask and your helmet goes face plant right into a pile of poop. It's great. Breaking Matt, can we task you to pull up that clip somehow or another? Uh, we're we're going to get Matt on him. He needs something else to do. Uh, yeah, we got to get him on post-poop duty on the I'll Navy see Radio I, I'll Network. I'll see if I can find some of it. That's pretty funny. So we'll see. All right, Debbie. Thanks. My other uh, college comment, my buddy down the street, his daughter goes to Tennessee. She got arrested for climbing on the goalpost. Oh, jeez. And, and he said, I want that. I want that ticket or summons saved so we can put it in a frame. Well, how ridiculous is it that Tennessee is started a GoFundMe account to replace those goalposts? It, it, I mean, you're Tennessee. I think that's partially a joke. Yeah, I, I think it's partially a joke, but it's not funny. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, that's a that's so, a good way to put it. Uh, yeah, and and Pete, you were talking about the value of kickers before. Uh, we got into the dome early on Sunday. I wanted to see how far McPherson could kick the ball in the dome. And this guy for the Saints is booming punts off his foot. First two punts, he kicks them like 75 yards. Then he shanks the punt when it matters to give us the ball where we needed to get it. So just, you know, the vagary of kickers and punters. Technique is everything, man. Technique is everything. Well, look at Tressway just using that as an example. I mean, Tressway struggled a couple of – last Sunday against Tennessee was horrible. And then last Thursday night against Chicago was great. You know, I I mean, sometimes you just have a rough day, obviously, even great players. So between the extremes of Sabah and Ian, where do you guys feel the majority of the fan base is right now with regard to Heineke? Uh, I I think they're hopeful that he gives them the little injection shot of life, but skeptical that it's a long-term thing. And so am I. I mean, I think he gives them that shot, that injection of life, especially on third down this Sunday. But I don't know if it's a long-term thing. I mean, I'm not fooling myself here. Expected points added or not or whatever, that Taylor Heineke is anything How great. ironic, and Jeff, appreciate the call as always. How ironic is it that coming into the season, our concern was third down defense? Yes. And here we are six offense. weeks in, and our biggest concern is third down offense. Well, remember how good they started on third down offense. First two games, I mean, they, they were, were great. seven of ten week one against Jacksonville. And I, uh, again, it was like 15 of 22 or something like that the first two weeks. And then since then, it's just gone. Love to, you know, and, and it's, they can do it because they've got the fancy film technology. But I'd love to go back and look at what every third down play over the last three weeks has been and see what they're calling, what the down and distance is, Personnel packages that are in the game, because I don't think you can underrate that either. Personnel packages on third down are incredibly important. Um, Omar Nelson and I used to talk about this all the time on the Navy Radio Network. You know, when you're a team like Navy that must convert third downs all the time, and we talk about how certain personnel packages seem to always be on the field when Mm -hmm. you get first downs, and when those people aren't on the field, you don't get first downs. I'd love to see what the personnel packages are and what they're doing, especially based on down and distance right now on third down. 
because there's got to be some sort of trend here that has developed and teams are keying on that are making Washington so easy to stop here besides just rushing the passer and getting pass pressure. Or is it just as simplistic as they haven't had Jahan Dotson and Logan Thomas and Sam Cosby That's a great point. the last two weeks Dotson, specifically? Dotson and Thomas yeah. in particular yeah. because both – are significant to helping you convert yeah. third down. I mean, as much as I'm down on Carson Wentz overall and never have been in, right, mm-hmm. and wasn't fooled by the hot start because I saw right through it, and I mentioned it that day, that next day, that week, whatever, when everyone was screaming about you know putting him in the Hall of Fame, um, I, I can't be stupid and realize and, and sit here and tell you that no Logan Thomas, Jahan Dotson, and Sam Cosme has no impact at all. I mean, I, I, you'd be foolish to think that it doesn't. Right. So, 301-230-0980. We get to some more of your calls. We're 25 minutes away from Dumb Dumb of the Day, and we must acknowledge greatness that still exists in Washington. A mention of the great eight before we wrap up here on a Tuesday. It's Russell and Medhurst. Great to have you aboard as always. We're here on noon, burgundy and gold today at that time, right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Second couple more calls here on the football topic of the day. And then pay homage to a man that we've severely underrated and underappreciated in this town for years. Let's go to line one. Chris is in Laurel. What's up, Chris? Hey, uh, how are you guys? Good, I hope. What's up, Chris? How are you? It would help if I turn on my microphone. I'm good. Um, I'm good. Thank you. Hey, so a couple things. First of all, there's only really one guy on whether or not he's happy about Heineke coming back, and his name is Terry. And I, I have a feeling he's really happy, as are some of the other players. And that, that is something that Heineke is going to bring to the team. I think that uh, Wentz has helped us out. Wentz has demonstrated clearly that Ron Rivera, and to a lesser extent, but uh, to a pretty big extent, Turner, have no idea what they're doing. I mean, I, 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 at the beginning of the season, everybody always ran and raved about Turner. And 
I, I mean, I watched those two first games where we didn't get a first down in the first half, and this thing where he's dropping him seven constantly and getting him sacked. I mean, I, I just don't. I mean, where where's the thought process there? I, I'm excited. The other thing is everybody talks about Heineke's arm strength, and, and Chris, I heard you just say too that that Heineke can throw the ball deep, and he, and he can if if necessary. Uh, and I appreciate that recognition for Heineke. But um, I'll trade Heineke's mobility for Wentz's deep pass anytime. Um, and, and I have a feeling we're going to complete a whole hell of a lot more um, uh, mid-range and short passes, and Heineke will buy us the time. And hopefully, hopefully Turner will move the pocket a little bit, won't have him take those seven-step drops, because the line – thanks to Ron Rivera and injuries, is not up to speed. I mean, they're obviously not. And at this point, Turner hopefully has figured it out and will react to it. That's what I have to say. Out. Chris, Chris. By the way, um, did you do a gym he does that out? all the time. I don't remember that. Chris, at the end of every call, goes, um, out. He yeah. says out? Yeah. Okay. Um, That's what they do on the Rome show, right? Yeah. Out? Before we transition here, real quick, obviously I wasn't here Friday, and because the game result itself takes center stage, how much did you talk about Fitz kind of rolling a bowling ball at Scott Turner, uh, talking about lack of flexibility in terms of quarterback must fit Scott's system yeah. as opposed to Scott? Good you question. Know. Touched on it a little, probably not a lot, not enough. Because there were so many things going mm-hmm. on, obviously coming off of the game and, you know, whether it was a well-played game or not, just an exciting finish. And all the, you know, talked about the Al Michaels comments and whether that was Al oh, yeah. Michaels drop, you know, all, all that uh, Ron's outburst. So in a three-hour show, it was hard to get to everything and pay a lot. I'd love to talk to Scott at... I would love to talk to Scott privately. Yeah, about that. Well, well you know. so here, here's the qu- here's the question that I have. Now, I did not hear Fitz say th- say it live, so that was yeah, but part enough of it. people on Twitter sure. allegedly saw it, right? But so so here's my question: Does Fitz, as smart as he is, remember he went to Harvard, okay, and been in a ton of different systems? Was he here long enough? To kind of really, really have a a true understanding of what Scott Turner is and isn't, and and meaning he was here, For but he wasn't around. Coffee. He wasn't around the team right. much after week one. Right, injured players, mm-hmm. severely injured players during the season. See, people don't realize this are Usually not always in rehabbing. the daily facility. Exactly, they're off site. They're away from the team. A lot of times they send them home because the trainers and the therapists and the doctors can't work with them during the season because they're too busy working with the the players that are playing. Sure. You know, sure. so I don't know. Um I, I mean, I can't say that Fitz is is wrong. I mean, obviously Fitz knows more about quarterbacking and styles and philosophies and coordinators and Scott Turner than I'll ever know. I, I just wonder like do you think that Scott Turner overall last year did a bad job with Taylor Heineke? Or do you think that Scott Turner was compromised because of Taylor Heineke's limitations? Well, That's what I feel. Based but. on some of the stuff we saw this year, yeah. you know, yes, there were certain plays you can't call. 
that Scott wouldn't have very more. You could, but Scott wouldn't have very much confidence calling them. And right. that's the deep balls like the De'Ami Brown that we saw from Wentz. Right. And, uh, the, throw, just, the throw Wentz made to McLaurin oh, yeah. against Week Jacksonville. One. But then just the opposite, right? Wouldn't you say then he was almost, and maybe this is just my feel instead of actual charting because I haven't charted everything. Did he get punch drunk with that to could. some degree? Yeah. yeah. And forget about what, what could work yeah. or what... What they every play caller, to do. every play caller is susceptible to that, yeah, and falls prey to that at times. That's what I worry about with Scott Turner is that there are too many times he's, you know, and, and I don't know how to describe it with what happened with Heineke last year because, you know, there wasn't anything in particular. Oh, Heineke really does this. Like, he's really great when they play action boot left side and they roll him out on a boot to the right. What is he good at? Taylor? Yes. Is what Scott Turner should play, too. Well, to me, again, that means... If you try to ask Taylor to run your system like Fitz is is exclaiming here, Mm -hmm. that it's not... It's it's gonna have its up and down moments right. like it had with Taylor running it. Right. Would you you would say though you would agree that short to intermediate is much more in his wheelhouse oh, than intermediate to long. One hundred percent. One. Two. Would you agree that in between the hashes is more his strength than outside the hashes? Uh, that's a tough one because sometimes seeing in between the hashes from the pocket. It's tough. tough for him. Right. And that's why the ball sails on him. Okay. That's fair. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But if you not to say that he can't complete passes outside but the throwing hashes. out routes with that arm sometimes, depending on that's like, the in pr- other words, ball can't be on the right hash mark, and Scott can't be asking him to throw the ball to outside the, the numbers left. Right. All right. And so, vice versa. So let me ask you this. He can I mean, look, sometimes balls even on out routes or, you know, intermediate vertical routes, again, on outside the hashes, would hang up, okay? Would just take longer to get there. So what you're saying is a good point, counterpoint to in between the hashes if you're going to call out route stuff, if you're going to call corner routes, right? If you're going to call fades, back shoulder fades outside the number, can we find a way to, again, make it where it's shorter instead of longer and, again, far like outside the yeah, outside the you hashes. Have to. You have to, or a DB's going to step in front of that okay. ball and it's going to be a pick so, six. So, so I think that's from a, a just basic level stuff, right? That makes sense. Now, can you devise a game plan like that? Yeah, I mean, you can devise game plan any way you want. Okay. You just got to be flexible enough to do it. That's, let's, that's let's see the, him do it. That, well, well, Hopefully they'll have John Dotson and Logan Thomas back, right? Yep. Hopefully. We'll Hopefully. see. Let's go to line one. Little's up next. What's up, Little? Let me close. Let me, hey, gentlemen, thank you for taking my call this morning. Let me close this. Let me close it out for you. Little scuttlebutt. Heineken got a stronger arm this year, gentlemen. Yep, we mentioned and Moxie, that. And the Moxie, hey, look, and the, the word you throw out there, Pete Moxie, this we've been we've been missing this. 
So the word of the scuttlebutt in the camp, I'm just getting, I'm just getting a little, little, little information. He's slinging the ball, gentlemen, and his arm is much stronger this year. Hey, look, y'all stay up, man. Stay blessed. I'm out. Appreciate you, little Mo. You got the last word on a Tuesday. What's up, Mo? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, hey, y'all, hey, y'all made the point. So, so the indictment on Scott is uh, Fitzpatrick. The indictment on Scott is when you watch Command Center uh, and you watch Logan break down, and he, and he has no idea what we're trying to do. The indictment is when you listen to Santana Moss and he says that we're not married on offense, the run game with the pass game. So if you're inflexible, like – if I know that he's a movement quarterback or moxie or whatever, then that's the, that's what he gets paid millions of dollars to do. Come up with a game plan that utilizes the strengths of whatever quarterback is in there. And to be honest with you, uh, a Haneke game and Howell game are, are pretty similar. So the offense that he comes up with for Haneke and stature and everything, except Howell got a bigger arm, is the same offense that Howell can run. Now, if I'm telling you, right, that you the old coordinator, you get to watch defense and break down. We don't we don't attack weaknesses on the offensive level. And that is the problem that I had with, with Coach Turner. We it's not Troy Aikman, it's not Brad Johnson back there. We we got the, the NFL has changed and I need him to change with we had all that motion against Jack against Jacksonville. None of that the, the same game plan that, that was in Jacksonville I haven't seen for the last five weeks. So it's actually on, on Scott Turner. If he really wants to make his name and want to be a head coach or whatever, then Heineke's limitations gives him an opportunity to be more creative, if you understand what I'm saying. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh, appreciate the phone call. Oh, he hung up before I even had a chance to terminate okay. the phone call. Um, the, uh, fascinating to see what it will look like year yeah, with a second go around for Taylor Heineke. There's no doubt about it. I think we're fascinated to see what happens. We're fascinated to see if it's any better than what Carson Wentz is doing right now. Or will he fall prey to the same things, you know, from lack of consistency in the offensive line, uh, et cetera. So, you know, we'll see what comes up uh, this weekend. More on that, of course, as the week goes along. We'll have fallout tomorrow from the owners' meetings today, if anything. Uh, comes of that. Before we get to the trending and the dumb dumb of the day, last night caps were reeling through two periods. You, you had a real uneasy mm-hmm. feeling, mm-hmm. and then number eight just said, "Wait a minute, I'm the captain of the ship." He looked at the Canucks and said, "I'm the captain now," and he took over the El game. Capitan. And Connor Sheary's off to a terrific start for yeah. this team. They bumped him up to the top line mm-hmm. uh, because of how well he's played, and and you know he ends up with his third goal. Uh, of the year. And I know it's very early in the season, but I thought last night, I thought that third period was an important 20 minutes for the Capitals because of the way they played in that 20 minutes. It was inspired. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit better defensively. Well, they were brutal in the second period. Second period was awful. I mean, and and, and that's with a Lars Eller goal eight seconds in they were brutal from the end of the first period when when uh, and Darcy Kemper has to be a lot better. He let it in a couple of softies yep. last night. I'm sorry, yep. it just has uh, to be 100. Right? I mean, agree uh, with you 100. You know, they got there. off to the hot start. 55 seconds in, Ovechkin bang on the power play. Uh, you know, I, like you can't ask for a better start. And what a pass! Uh, I forget who it was. Was it Sherry? On uh, Sherry's goal? No, on, on Ovechkin's first goal of the game, the power play. Because the second one, late, 
to ice it was was more on a redirect. And it was a good pass, but it was from the point. I think it was Sherry on the first goal that Ovechkin scored 56 seconds in because I remember it being a left-handed skater, a left-handed stick, and it was went through a defenseman from beyond the goal line out to the office, and it just threaded the needle, and Alex obviously banged it home, no problem. But I think it was Sherry, but I could be wrong on that. Um, either way. I mean, for Alex to get off the schneid, imagine if you don't score for three games that that's considered a schneid, right? I mean, but for Alex to get off, um, you know, that way, Vancouver was kind of desperate in this game. Um, you know, they they themselves got a fortunate break to start the second period, which, again, was an awful period. I mean, Eller scores eight seconds in off the weird carom off the back end of the boards. And right to the slot as Eller's streaking in. I mean, and before you know it, they're down 4-2. Like, I mean. It was you know, Marcus it was like, Johansson. Oh, it was Johansson. That's I just watched was. the goal. It was yeah. Marcus Johansson. I couldn't tell who it was because yeah. um, I was watching the game, you know, from a distance. And I, I didn't hear Joe B. Uh, and Locker say who it was. I knew it was a left-handed shot. I thought it was Sherry. Maybe it was Johansson. Okay, I was on the power play. So, anyway, the bottom line is, is before you know it, they're – they're down four two, and then you got to climb that wall again, right? Or climb that mountain again, and they do, and then still have enough juice to not only get the go ahead goal, but then the game icing clinching goal. How many times last year would they be up by a goal late in a game? I mean, it happened in the playoffs, right? Uh, was it game uh, game four? They were up three two, and looking to go up three games to one in the series against Florida, and they let up a sort of softy goal mm-hmm. late. And, and and you know, Kemper, to his credit, he was not good last night, in my opinion. Uh, I, again, the weird goal for the first goal. Um, you know, a couple of other goals that, you know, maybe his fault, maybe not. He was screened, whatever. They were able to kind of bounce back. But uh, here's another thing. Kuznetsov is probably going to get suspended. And probably should. Uh, See, you saw that, right? Yeah, I mean, if NFL po- or NHL policy is consistent, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I, listen. The question he, is how long. I mean, he chopped him down like a cherry tree yeah. and then and <laughs> then buried the stick in his back, uh, you know? He kind of got his money's worth. Yeah, I mean. No doubt about it. You know, probably and, gonna, and, probably, I would say it cost him at least a game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was thinking a couple Maybe of games. Two. But, I mean, I mean, he probably should. You know, he's, I, I mean, he's, he doesn't have a bad history, but he doesn't have. It's not like he's been an innocent. Yeah, but you angel. can't. You can't have guys running around right. the ice doing that though right. either. Right. So. By the way, did you see the goal from Carlson? I know we got to go. Did you see that? Oh my God! Look, I mean, here, you want to talk about a freaking short top shelf dude, where Mama hides a cookie angle? Oh my God! John Carlson was miscast as a defenseman. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. To John be. Carlson should be, be a forward. Yeah. Um, he is a forward in a defenseman's body yeah. because he's a hell of a lot better offensively right now than he is defensively. We need him to be a little more responsible yeah. and a little better at the defensive end. 301-230-0980. We're 15 minutes away from Burgundy and Gold today. Right now, though, we've got to look at what's trending. Here's what's trending on the Team 980. Yeah, talking about that Capitals come from behind victory over Bruce Boudreaux and the Vancouver Canucks last night at Capital One Arena, denying their former head coach win number 600 on the year. Alex Ovechkin, the first goal, the final goal, also set up the go-ahead fifth goal. Whew. 
What a comeback win for the Capitals. A wild game, even by early season NHL standards. Still no word on Evgeny Kuznetsov and what we were just talking about, uh, but it is expected, at least, that he'll face a disciplinary hearing. We will see what comes out of it. Still no word from the owners' meetings uh, in terms of uh, anything going on there, but NFL owners are all together in New York City, with the exception of one notable one, you know, the one that owns the Washington Commanders, Dan Snyder. However, everybody can rejoice. Tanya Snyder is there representing the team because she's doing such a great job. And Russell Wilson dealing with a hamstring and a hurt ego after another dreadful performance by he and the Denver Broncos in a late overtime loss to Dustin Hopkins and the L.A. Chargers. If you missed our opening thoughts on Dustin Hopkins and his time here and since, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature on the Team 980, and that's what's trending. Burgundy and Gold today, 10 minutes away. We'll keep an eye on the owners' meetings this afternoon. And, of course, Ron to talk at some point, acknowledging that there will be a different quarterback this week. (laughs) I think Ron is scheduled to speak at 12.30, I believe it is. Uh, I believe it's 12.30. Keep it locked into Burgundy and Gold today. They'll have any reaction from Ron's presser coming up in about 40 minutes from now. But at this time, each and every day, you know what time it is. It's time for Dumb Dumb of the Day on Russell and Menders. Yes, instead today, as we sometimes do, we have two Dumb Dumbs. And yes, after a long absence, Pedro, we return to America's favorite state for idiocy. You know where that is, right? Florida! Yes, sir! So you may have seen this story already. It was from last week, but I haven't been able to get to it because the idiocy here is just bounds and volumes, and, I mean, it's just too much to contain. It, 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 it's impossible to contain. Um, so body cam footage <clears throat> shows video of the dramatic moment of two fathers, that's right, two dads, shooting at each other's daughters. What? On the side of a Florida highway in a road rage incident over the weekend. Frank Allison, a 43-year-old dummy, William Hale, a 35-year-old idiot, shot at each other's vehicles with semi-automatic handguns during a high-speed cat-and-mouse chase, police said, late on Saturday afternoon. During the shootout, ready for this? Hale, who is the uh, 35-year-old, well, he had a 5-year-old daughter who was in the car with him. She only got struck in the leg by one of the bullets. And Allison, the 43-year-old, He has a 14-year-old daughter. She was only shot in the back with a collapsed lung as a result. That's all. That's all. Uh, Apparently, they were in a match, basically, on the highway, which some of you, I'm sure, have engaged in. I know I have uh, a time or two and feared for my life. 
and then again pulled over, and they were cursing at each other. Uh, one was shirtless uh, before the uh, officers got on there. They were yelling at each other and fighting with each other and cursing with each other while their daughters were bleeding and suffering from gunshot wounds. Bleeding from gunshot wounds. Not smart. So, as a result, of course, both were arrested, charged, all that good stuff. As a result, this incident out of suburban Jacksonville leads us to anointing these two outstanding citizens of the dumbest state in the country, Florida, as our special award winners for today. Congratulations. You're Chris's Dumb Dumb of the Day. You know, what's worse, I, I forgot one detail. Uh, one of the gentlemen, <clears throat> and I use that term uh, loosely, uh, his wife was in the car with him, and she flipped the bird at one of the other at the other guy in response to the other guy throwing a bottle of water at her <laughs> while the cars were going side by side. I mean, you you can't make this stuff up, people. You can't make nope. this stuff people up. People are stupid. That's for sure. Time to wrap things up on a Tuesday. It's time for the guys to give their closing arguments and hit the shower. Let's hear that final take. College and pro football are so dominant and so good, we kind of lost how good the Major League Baseball playoffs were this weekend and the elimination of some really good teams. We still haven't finished one of the American League series. Winner take all this afternoon, and who would have thunk it? But Nestor Cortez on the mound today for the New York Yankees as they take on the Cleveland Guardians to wrap up that American League Division Series best of five, which is tied up at two apiece today. Sure, it will hurt Washington fans to look up and see Bryce and Juan going against each other, but their teams have earned the opportunity to be there right now, and there's nothing like a winner-take-all game in baseball. Enjoy it this afternoon. Has to really irk the networks, though. Yankees in the 4 o'clock window mm. this afternoon. Mm. You know they want them at 8 o'clock. Oh, it's an American absolutely. League game, so they might still be playing at 8 o'clock. And maybe for their sake, they avoided Monday Night Football, which even though it wasn't a good game, uh, it wasn't... Well, they were supposed to play yesterday. They got rained out. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. They avoided that. Uh, and you know, But then the downside is TBS, the big winner there. Today. Uh, I'll leave you with this. Of course, as we've mentioned many times, the owners' meetings going on. Uh, Tanya Snyder, because she's such a good representative and such a good owner, and she's uh, you know, really uh, ascended to the top of the mantle uh, piece here uh, for the commanders, uh, is representing the organization. I just saw a picture from Nikki Javala of Roger Goodell and Robert Kraft getting together in the lobby meeting. Uh, Bobby Kraft, newly married. Yeah. Uh, maybe he distracted Tom Brady. I didn't see Roger Goodell on the attendee list. I didn't see Roger Goodell on any of the reporters that named all the people that were there on the list at all. I wonder if Bob Kraft and Roger Goodell are still on the outs. And I wonder if Bob Kraft somehow is on the side of the ledger of Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder because of their mutual Admiration. Admiration or disdain at times hmm. for Roger Goodell. Just a thought. I don't know. Just a thought. Not a sermon. Ha! 301-230-0980. Burgundy and Gold Today is up next. 
Our thanks to Matty Ice, as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 9 on the Team 980, the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.